0: Welcome to Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. If you have a sticky situation, send it to us inbox at ethicsinetiquette.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly.
1: Hey, good morning, Marna. Good morning, Mike. Hi, everybody
0: and Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four.
2: Hello, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly, and good morning to all our listeners.
0: Good morning, everybody. It's December, and the Christmas season is upon us. That doesn't have to mean we clench our fists and grit our teeth until the rush and crowds and obligations and wild spending subside and the bills start coming in. We could choose a different path. COVID has happened and it's still happening. If that isn't an agent of change, I don't know what is. There's opportunity for growth and insight and pivots, even in challenging times. This may be one of those times we get to assess some previously cherished notions with a fresh eye. Last month, we heard from Kathy and Mike Derrick about their 210-mile hike on the John Muir Trail in California. One of the things that struck us was how much they loved the simplicity of life on the trail. They carried everything they needed in a 30-pound pack on their backs and found it so liberating. In Mike's words, it rewired their brains. For this episode, Our penultimate one for 2021, I'd like to share with you my daughter's philosophy for gift-giving that she has lived for most of her adult life. Her name's Elena. She's 30 years old, a former Peace Corps volunteer in Ukraine, kind of a throwback, bohemian hippie type, and that's what we love about her. She's a unique young lady. For years, she's abstained from purchasing presents for me on gift-giving occasions. No necklaces or new blouses or that type of thing she does what we call the ungift. She gives of her time and talent. Let me tell you what I mean. One year from my birthday, she cleaned up and repaired a vintage Raleigh three-speed bicycle that I had bought at a yard sale. It had been sitting in my garage in a rusted and decrepit state until she applied hours of elbow grease with steel wool, repaired it, and presented it to me. What a wonderful thing. I rode that thing all around town after that, and I still ride it. I love it. For Mother's Day one year, she completed stripping and refinishing a dining room table that I'd started but never finished. Last year for Christmas, she found us 20 subscribers to our podcast by talking up ethics and etiquette to her friends. Another thing she likes to do is purchase subscriptions for people, like for Audible or Masterclass, both of which she's given me in the past. She feels like it doesn't feed the world of crass commercialism or generate more stuff for the landfill. I have to say, her solution shows a lot of thoughtfulness, and I like it more each year. I know we facilitate discussions on this podcast and offer perspectives rather than sermonize and nag, but I'd like to challenge our listeners to give the ungift a try, as I have for the last couple of years. Ask yourself, what would be really valuable to your loved one that you can't buy or that isn't materialistic? It takes a little more effort to pay attention and generate an idea, and the expense may be less in money, more in your time, but it's worth it. My mom always says she doesn't need anything, that I should just donate money to worthy causes. So this time of year, I keep a bunch of small bills in my wallet, and every time I encounter a Salvation Army bell ringer, I throw some money in the pot and say to myself, This is from you, Mom. Likewise, for years, my sisters and I resisted buying my dad physical gifts that reinforced his semi hoarder Depression-era tendencies. We took to giving him memories in the form of outings and events, like tickets to musicals, or symphonies, or concerts, or the cinema, or even gift cards to restaurants. As a retiree inclined to spend too much time in his recliner, he liked the mental stimulation, and so that worked out very well. Maybe you can apply this idea with the loved ones in your life. Instead of falling back on that traditional Christmas sweater or candle, ponder what ungift would be appreciated and make it happen. Mike, I know you and I have talked about this, and you have some thoughts as well.
2: You know, Marna, I have such admiration for Elena and her way of thinking. You know, I've known her since she was a little girl. I don't know her as an adult, so it's it's kind of cool to see that transition from, you know, what you remember as a, a small child to now an adult. But I have great admiration for that, and I think that especially in our society, in our country, you know, we're kind of drowning in stuff. And we have a machine, uh, an economic machine, which relies on us consuming more and more and more. You know, I guess I'm at that point in my life when it's less about the material thing and more about the experience. And so I'll just give you some thoughts that, you know, we in the Derek clan have used over the years when it comes to gifting one is to have, and this kind of is in la- in line with Elena's uh, three-speed bicycle rebuild. Is have a thrift store Christmas, and you put out. Oh, through I the,
0: like that idea.
2: Yeah, you put out through the entire family. I mean, friends, relatives, the whole crew. The only gift you can purchase this year for anybody else must come from a thrift store. I'm sure you guys have some great thrift stores. We have some absolutely over-the-top ones up here that aren't like Goodwill or Salvation Army. They're kind of private. They just do a fantastic job, and you find all kinds of gems in there. Like every now and then you can find like a fantastic kitchen knife that somebody has just, you know, thrown in a drawer. And if you sharpen it up, you know, you can, you can give that as a gift. I was just thinking about this as I, I'm going out to clear some trails today here in the Champlain Valley and I threw in the back of the car my field jacket and it's an old Eddie Bauer green field jacket that somebody got me at a thrift store and I love it. I wear it all the time when I'm out in the woods. So there's an idea of a way in which you can kind of, you know, step away from consumerism, re-gift things, uh, use things that are already in the system. And that's something that's worked for us.
0: Oh, I think that's a great idea.
2: It's also fun if you have sort of like treasure hunters in your family who like to, who like to go on treasure hunts. Uh, you know, a good thrift store is like a treasure hunt.
0: It absolutely um, is.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's one. The other is, is kind of gifts of experience or education. And we've done this over the years where like we'll pick up the tab to bring all the kids and their, you know, significant others to a specific place for a specific family event so that it does a couple things. One is it kind of shifts a little bit of the financial cost from them to us. Dare I say it also sort of makes it more important to them because they go, oh, mom and dad really want us to do this because they're picking up the tab. You know, I guess some people would would accuse me of uh, shaming my kids into uh, spending time with me, but so far it's worked really well.
0: Um, Are you saving them or bribing them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, however
2: you want to phrase it marna you 're the you 're the wordsmith here, you know, um, <laughs> but you know it 's they give me grief about it, but they still show up, so that 's I think what matters so experience or education, like one year we gave Henry our youngest son a an immersion language program in Costa Rica, you know he was enjoying Spanish in school, and things were kind of coming together for him and and, you know, we, we talked to him about it beforehand. He said, yeah, that would be really cool. So he went down for two weeks and studied Spanish all morning uh, intensively and then lived with a family in Costa Rica, and it was a great experience. So those are two thoughts, thrift stores and then experience and education. But what I really want to hear is what Kelly's going to say. Yeah,
0: I know. Kelly, you, <laughs> you come from a, a large family. I mean, you must have some ideas on curbing the um, gift-giving.
1: Not really. Not really? I, yeah. I mean, I'm.
0: You're all in, huh?
1: Yeah, we're all in. I'm super <laughs> impressed by how thoughtful you guys are and especially how you're not only talking the talk about the way you want to live, but walking the walk. And, you know, you have a set of principles and you're following through on them. So. I think it's awesome. And there's a lot of really good ideas that you outlined. But I would say my family is more traditional as far as having a Christmas with a lot of gifts. It's always been kind of our our biggest holiday. I mean, I think we use common sense, but we spend time and, you know, buy gifts and, and we have a lot of fun with it. And I guess maybe we are over-consuming, but... I guess it's just our thing. <laughs> my, pa- my parents always made Christmas <laughs> really big. And <laughs> and I think it's partly because my parents, especially my father, grew up, you know, not well off at all. My dad tells stories I know at least of a couple of Christmases when he was young where he got a note under the tree from Santa telling him that he would bring him skates later. You know, no Aww. gifts or anything. So Hard um, for a little boy to understand that. Yeah, yeah. And you he know. only mentioned it you know, in recent years. But mm-hmm. so we always we always had a lot of fun with Christmas. I mean, I think we try to keep it, use common sense, try to keep it appropriate, you know, and you think about who you're getting a gift for. Because the family's so big, as far as nieces and nephews, we've always done sort of a, you know, you pick two names out of the hat and each of us is responsible for whoever we, we grab. I did look online and saw some interesting Things And one I thought I'd mention was a site, you know, it looks like it's for parents of young, younger children. It's called Hugs for Kids. And I saw a lot of things similar to this, but basically they recommend a five gift rule. Every year, the first four gifts are the same. There's something the child wants, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. And then the last one, the fifth item, is, you know, they don't really know they want it. And they don't really know they need it, but they do. And you're going to get it, and it's just going to blow them away. (laughs) So I thought that was interesting. And I saw a lot of other, you know, So did they
0: give any examples for that fifth one? They didn't.
1: You know, they really didn't. I, you know, I'm kind of going through the article now as we speak, but they didn't. And it was interesting because a lot of, when I kind of did a little bit of online research... There were all sorts of rules. There was the seven gift rule, the 11 gift rule. There was, you know, all sorts of advice and guidance. Pick your
0: number, three. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I, I thought it was interesting. I I just think you use common sense. And, you know, we always try to make it, you know, somewhat equal about what we get our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's important. You know, and there's always a Christmas where one, it'll, it'll kind of be a little bit of a big Christmas for one more than the other. And it may not be monetarily the gifts may be about the same. But you know, like our youngest, you know, is ten years younger than our oldest. So some years he got tons of toys and it seemed like a lot, but it really wasn't because they you know, they were just toys. So, anyways, I think we're more of a traditional consumer based <laughs> Christmas. And I'm fine with that. But and you're fine anyways, with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, I love yeah. what Elaine is doing. I you know, I love your idea of the thrift store. Educate I just think that's wonderful. And we have done little piece parts of that. But overall, I think we're more consumer-based.
2: Well, Kelly, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, I want to say that, you know, there have been years, and many years, in fact, when we sort of go the traditional route also, especially when everybody's in the same place, which is increasingly uncommon these days. You know, right. we're all spread out to the four winds. So
0: Sure. And especially when my kids were home, we had the traditional consumer Christmas, with toys and things like that
2: yeah so it's age-based too i mean there are you know so there's something to be said for a little kid you know diving into a very big package and uh you know the joy that both the giver and the receiver gain from that you know we've all been there and seen that so
1: absolutely yeah
2: i was kind of aiming towards you know folks of a certain age who they've got a lot of stuff and you know what it's like that what it's that question that people always ask, like, you know, what am I going to get him or her? They don't need anything.
1: No, I think I think you guys had some great ideas and and kind of thinking outside the box. So yeah. I, I'm going to have to apply some of them to my yeah. consumer based yeah. k- Christmas.
0: <laughs> well, one year at work, office manager set up. She called it a Green Santa event and. Everybody brought what we used to call a a white elephant gift, something you no longer needed in your household. And then there was a selection process where you could pick from the pile or take someone else's. And there was a lot of good stuff in there. Somebody brought in a, like a foosball machine, and somebody else brought in some crystal stemware. It's a great, one man's trash is another man's treasure, I'm telling you.
2: Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of an army thing, don't you think, Marna, the white elephant gift? have you ever done that in an army setting
0: yeah yeah we did that yankee swap that's what we called it in Rhode Island
2: and and boy those are fun they're fun you know we've done it as a family with, like with cousins a couple different years especially when the cousins are kind of between eight and you know little maybe maybe tweens you know boy things can get crazy
0: I know are there ever any hard feelings (laughs) and hurt feelings
2: no, I don't think so. When if you, gifts get stolen, right? You know, <laughs> you know, some eight-year-old ends up with a candle, and um, <laughs> you know, and like, Whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> I know. And then, you know, the yeah, other have one you seen that? Up with something really cool. So,
0: have you seen that Saturday Night Live skit where the gift that everybody reaches for last resort or spur of the moment when they need a gift? Oh, let me just give them a candle. <laughs> Here, I've got a candle. Here's a candle. candle for my teacher, a candle for my friend.
2: I'm a big candle fan, but, you know, it's not the kind of thing I'm looking for wrapped up uh, on my birthday or my uh, my Christmas gift under the tree. I've I've
0: curtailed (laughs) from giving candles. Although I did want to ask you guys, when you get invited to somebody's
2: house, Mm -hmm.
0: do you typically bring a hostess gift or a host gift?
2: Often we do. And we've kind of gone in the direction of food because, you know, consumable. Uh So, you know, we live up here in maple syrup country and we live in apple country. So between apples and maple syrup, you can cover just about all the bases in terms of hostess gifts.
0: What's an example of something that you've given?
2: Our go-to is maple syrup. You know, we Mm -hmm. we bring a small bottle, you know, less than a quart of locally produced maple syrup preferably somebody that we know who's making it. So that's a great one. The other one is we live right next to an apple orchard. And so any of the apple products, we often will now send packaged apple gift boxes to people for Christmas. You know who've somehow made a difference in our lives Mm -hmm. and so wherever they are they get the they get 12 magnificent apples in the mail or they get apple butter or the orchard also does honey and then they make they make these remarkable beeswax candles back to candles marna Um, (laughs) that you know all part of you can put all those in the gift boxes but they're all apple products
0: from the orchard right behind your house
2: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: oh that's pretty nice
2: so it's really neat. It's really personal. It's really meaningful. And again, we're not contributing to the baggage train that all of us drag around behind us.
1: We usually do try to take something, and it's usually a bottle of wine. Um, sometimes it might be a dessert, like chocolate or cookies, sometimes flowers, but usually a bottle of wine. And I'll ask, "To can I bring dessert? What can I bring? And usually yeah. people okay. don't want you to. They'll yeah. say, oh, no, I'm all set. But So yeah, usually I usually bring something at somebody's home.
2: Yeah. Bottle of wine is a a sure thing. Flowers, boy, you can light somebody's life up with flowers.
1: That's
0: my typical go-to, a plant Mm -hmm. or flowers. The only caveat Mm -hmm. with that is, this has actually happened to me once right before dinner. A guest arrived with a a big bunch of flowers and cellophane, and I had to stop what I was doing and rummage around in the basement shelf for a (laughs) vase big enough for all those flowers. So if you're going to Take a big arrangement of flowers. A nice thing to do is drop them off earlier in the day and give the host or hostess time to find
2: a vase and arrange them. that's like way, way, way up the scale on or, being a considerate <laughs> guest. So or or
0: just bring flowers in a bud vase.
2: I don't know if I can punch at that level, Mara.
0: <laughs> it's above your
1: weight. <laughs> yeah, and I don't yeah. I don't know that I'd want somebody, like, showing up before my party. Like, I'm usually running around in a mess, trying to clean up, get everything ready, running to the seat door. And,
2: you like, too, Kelly? That yeah. happens in your
1: house? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm usually oh, it's, ready, like, it's five crazy minutes time. after the start time. <laughs> if that.
2: Oh, I'm so glad to hear that you guys Uh, i thought i was so deficient
0: we did something fun this year at thanksgiving my friends here in town and i we had a friendsgiving or a sidesgiving where everybody brings their favorite side dish no turkey or no roast or ham or anything just it's just all sides and you get together for a very relaxing meal sometime before thanksgiving not on Mm -hmm. the actual date that was really nice Very clever. Any other thoughts on gift-giving for this holiday season?
2: Yeah. There was a gift I received the other day that was extremely moving to me. I just didn't see it coming. It's not surprising it comes from one of a, a wonderful friend who's very thoughtful and when he swings he tends to hit things out of the park. I am uh, all right, I'm going to go out and say it everybody. I'm turning 60 this week.
1: Happy birthday. Well, yeah, happy you. birthday. Thank you guys.
2: And um, I think we're going I'm going <laughs> to talk a little bit more about that in the next podcast, but earlier this week I get this small package in the mail you know handwritten i can see who it's from and i go hmm wonder what's going on here cuz i didn't even know that he knew it was my birthday and he sent me a a 19 i was born in 1961 he sent me an uncirculated half dollar from the philadelphia mint kelly and then he he wrote this beautiful letter with it and he talked about his father and how his father had given him something similar in his life and that when he had a big day or something special going on, he would take that coin and put it in his pocket and carry it with him. And it kind of gave him that little extra something on those special days or important days. And I tell you, it was, again, I was caught way off guard. I didn't see it coming, but there I'm holding something in my hand that's absolutely beautiful, you know, still in the plastic with 1961 engraved on it. So I was really touched. And so, I just, as we talk about gift giving and we talk about how to make it more thoughtful and and more, you know, meaningful and not just cause people to stack up more and more material things, although this is a material thing, I just thought it was beautifully targeted. Just wanted to share that. I don't know if you're going to throw this in, Morna, but um, shout out to my friend Brian because uh, it uh, was deeply moving.
0: Shout out to Brian. Those meaningful gifts can be so powerful, even if they're small. Yeah. Speaking of thrift shops, Mike, I love yard Mm -hmm. sales as well. Mm -hmm. And a person was cleaning out his parents' house. And the parents had been, father had been a professor at the University of Rhode Island for years, had lived in the same house for years, and had acquired a bunch of Life magazines, like several boxes of them, which they put out for sale. And we bought all of them. It wasn't too much to buy all of them. And then I went through and I found the Life magazine for the week of anybody in my family or anniversaries of mm-hmm. people in mm-hmm. my family and found plastic covers for them and so oh, for that year wow, I gave uh, that's
2: fantastic.
0: Yeah, I gave them a what away for Christmas gifts and birthday gifts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my aunt and uncle had their 60th wedding anniversary and I sent them the life magazine from the week of their marriage and they loved it. They were very touched.
2: What a brilliant thing, Marna. That sort of I don't know. I don't know how you would phrase it, but that that gift that represents elapsed time and is so personal because it's your elapsed time you know whether that's a birthday or anniversary or whatever beautiful
0: well said and you know what else i noticed from reading those life magazines 50 years ago they were talking about the same things that we're talking about now they're talking about the state of education they're talking about the deficit they're talking about problems in the middle east some things don't change
2: (laughs) go figure
0: (laughs) let's keep this conversation going send an email inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com, or leave a voicemail at our website, ethicsandetiquette.com. Our Instagram is at Ethics Etiquette, and our Facebook page is Ethics and Etiquette. Check them out. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and leave us a gushing over-the-top review while you're there. We'll really appreciate it, and keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Thanks for being with us, and join us again. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. See you then.